Hello, everybody. It's another episode of Fitz Dog Radio coming to you every week. Every week. I think I probably take off uh, maybe three to four weeks a year, which I think is very European of me. You don't have to work every week. But I think the rest of the year I'm going to do every single week. Um because I'm committed. I enjoy the shit out of it. There's so much stuff to talk about. And good news to share this week. The WGA strike is over. I think we talked about it last week a little bit. But we didn't have the details. And now we know that it was an unequivocal win for the writers. The studios just caved. They gave in to everything we wanted pretty much. And I think they saw that they were losing a lot. Their stocks were going down. Their profits were going down. And everybody thought that wouldn't matter because they're all part of these multinational corporations. But um, I think it looked bad for them. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure how they cry. I really thought this was going on for another month or two. But we'll be going back to work. I will miss... Being on the picket lines, talking to other writers, they're the most interesting, fun people, besides comedians, out there. And uh, I was, you know, I didn't walk every day. I did play some golf here and again. And I was playing golf one day with uh, a big showrunner. I'm not going to name him, but he's one of the biggest showrunners in Hollywood. And we're at his fancy country club. And one of the guys we're playing with says to him, so you've been walking a lot lately? And he goes, yeah, I carry my bag like sometimes just for nine holes. And the guy goes, no, like walking the picket line. <laughs> so it felt bad. Playing golf felt bad. But you know what? Come on. Man needs to get out once every couple weeks or once a week and play. Just fucking enjoy it so much. Um. So this is good. And Bill Maher, of course, looks like a fucking asshole because he was about to go back to work. And then the strike ends like two weeks later after he shows his cards. So, you know, he's got I guess he he needed the money. The guy tours relentlessly in theaters. He's got a podcast that's making a ton of money, all of which he can do during a strike. And instead, he says he's coming back. I guess, I guess he needs the extra money to pay off these uh, these runaways that he plies with cocaine to come to his man cave, where they where they have to gag, they hold back their gag reflex while having sex with this fucking troll, while he talks about how bad all of his audiences are, all of them. Do you think after? You say all your audiences are bad week in and week out. Maybe it's you. Which isn't to say I don't think he's funny. I think he, I think he is funny, but uh, man, what a douche move. Anyway, so I've been playing golf. I played golf uh, two days ago in Carlsbad, which is kind of a golf mecca in California. There's some famous courses there. I was doing a gig at the country club that night. And so part of my payment to do the gig was to play this like four star country club course. And I went out with these guys. And the best part about playing these fancy courses is like 
when you go like you you play like the public courses I'm used to playing, you will not find a ball in the woods because it's a bunch of cheap broke fox that go chase down every that's why play is so slow out there. Nobody will ever leave a ball behind. It's like they're Vietnam vets and the balls are their buddies in their platoon. And so then you go to these lush country clubs. I was at the Omni, what's it called? The the Omni something. And Pro V1s, which is the most, they're like 75 bucks for a dozen of them. And you go into the woods to look for your ball. You come out with five brand new Pro V1s because these rich guys, they buy a new dozen every round. They don't stop. They hit it a little bit in the woods. Fuck it. Move on. So I'm walking out of there and I'm playing with these guys who have money. They got a fair amount of money. And I'm and I'm like, you know, traipsing through the woods like some fucking fairy picking up golf balls. And uh yeah, it was it was good. The, the hard thing is like you play these country clubs, you gotta tip everybody. You know, like they gave me a room, so like I pull up. And a guy takes my golf bag down to the golf course. So I got it. And meanwhile, all I had in my, my wallet was 10s and 20s. I had a shitload of 10s. Normally, I tip somebody maybe five for something like that. I only got 10s. So I give that guy a 10 to bring my bag down. Then I got to give the guy that's taking my car to park it. I give him 10 bucks. Then you got... Then you get down to the course, and the guy that puts your bag on the uh, cart and he brings it down to the practice range for you, that's 10 bucks. Then you finish the round, and some caddy will take your clubs and take a hot towel and wipe them all down for you, and then put them in the pro shop so you can get them later. There's 10 bucks. Now you got. Now, now, I, now you leave. When you go to leave, you got to ask somebody to go get your golf clubs. That's 10 bucks. Then you got to pay the valet parking attendant 10 bucks. Then you got to pay the maid in the hotel room 10. Then I go to the coffee shop, get some coffee. You pay them. Everybody's getting money. I mean, look, is this the whitest white guy problems of all time? Uh, should I really be complaining on my podcast about this? No. But, but, let me lead you to the next part of the day, which is where I'm doing the show at this country club. And there's about 300 people packed into a, a ballroom at the hotel. It's not ideal at all. And everybody coming in, it's, it's not Orange County, but it's Orange County. It's technically North County, but it's, it's these kind of people. They're, every one of them is a Republican. And they walk in and the women all have fake boobs and their skin, you know, 55-year-old women with no lines and puffy lips, all of them. And all the guys have like, you know, they've like, you know, they stand very straight. They all stand with their shoulders back, very cocky, deep voices. You know, they got on those, you know, those sneaker shoes. Those expensive shoes, they're not sneakers, but they're not shoes. They have like the white, they got the like the white little trim along the edges. And they got the gelled hair and the golf shirts tucked in, $900 glasses and $150 haircuts. And uh, 
you know, just just guys that are alpha, 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 every one of them. So we go in and they start the show and uh, good comics going up in front of me, you know, funny. And they're not they're struggling. They're struggling because there's people standing at the bar just talking at full volume, just ignoring and other people just, they're not used to comedy clubs because that's beneath them, but now they're at their country club watching a show and they don't really understand you're supposed to fucking laugh out loud and not talk at your tables. And so um, so I was talking to this girl before the show. I talked to a few people before the show. And uh, so I get up and it's not clicking. I'm up there. First of all, I'm kind of tired. Because I woke up early in the morning to drive the two hours, played golf for five, and now I'm on stage and I'm kind of out of it. I don't know. And it's not working. And so I just jump off stage. I got a wireless mic and I just go into the belly of the beast. Front row, there's a real alpha dude and uh, I start asking him what he does for a living and he says real estate. And... uh, and and I kind of ask him how rich he is. He's rich. And then I talked to his girlfriend. I realized I talked to her before the show. And she was texting with a guy. I don't believe it was this guy. And in some kind of a fight with this guy. And she's drunk. And she's got blonde, curly hair. And she's all done up. Kind of annoying. And she uh, she says that she did Second City. So I said, oh, oh, did you do Second City? I said, how? I said, you're a comedian, too. I go, how long did you do Second City for? And she goes, a week. And I go, all right, well, you want to do some stand-up? Why, why don't you do five minutes of stand-up right now? And she's like, no. Nah. I was like, come on, do five minutes of stand-up. And so she says no. And so I take the microphone, and I'm kind of I'm, – I'm bopping her on the head with it, which is funny because – it doesn't hurt, but it makes a really loud noise, so it gives the illusion that you're bashing the person in the head with the microphone. So I do that a little bit, big laughs, and then I start walking around the room, and every per- every woman has blonde hair and fake tits, every one of them. And like I said, all the guys are the same, and I start asking them, they're all in real estate. Every single person's in real estate. And every person looks the same. And I finally just snap and I just go, what's it like, you guys? What's it like to wake up every day and talk to the same person over and over again? Each one's different, but they're all the same. And they're all selling real estate. That's all they do is sell land to each other. And somehow, and so I kind of start killing. Because people like this can take a joke because all you're doing is telling them they're good looking and rich and successful. You're not really, it's not like going to like a, a, a poor club and mocking them for not having any money. And so I get back on stage, but now I realize that the guy and the girl in the front row are angry. And the guy is fucking eyeballing me. And he's pretty strong. And so... I do this joke where I go, and I want to punch you in the face. And I say it to that guy, and he throws his hands up, and he goes, let's go. Let's go, dude. And so now I just ignore him, and I go back to show because there's no security. And I don't know what's going to happen. And 
you know, I so I just I, I got another 20 minutes to do. So I'm just ignoring this guy. And he's talking to his girlfriend or wife as loud as he possibly can. And just everybody else in the crowd is quiet at this point. And this guy is just eight feet in front of me talking loud. And I'm just like, I'm not going to take the bait. I'm not going to go after him because, you know what? These 300 people don't give a shit about this guy. They want to hear my jokes. So I just finish my set. I get off stage and I walk to the back and uh, I go up to the booker and I go, give me the money. I'm getting out of here. So he pulls out a fucking wad of cash because he's a bookie and he pays me the cash, just keeps fucking handing me bill. I go, just give it all to me. Give me, give it after that. Give me all the money. And so I get the money and then I go to leave. So I had to run to my room and get my suitcase. And then, uh, because I got, I got a room just for the day so I could relax and I get my suitcase. I run to valet. And then I realized I forgot my golf clubs. And now all of a sudden there's like 30 people all at valet waiting for their cars and their cars are all the same. Every one of them has a white Tesla X. Is that the big one? Is that the best one? The big, the big one. They, they all got the same fucking car, of course. And so I run off and this valet goes to get my clubs, another 10 bucks, and he has to get the guard to open the pro shop to get my clubs out because now it's 10 o'clock at night and I don't want these people seeing me and I definitely don't want to see the guy. I'm getting out of there before the guy comes out and there's a possible fight. And so I'm hiding behind a pillar, waiting for my golf clubs. I get my golf clubs and now my car pulls up. And what's my car? Not a Tesla X. It's a fucking Toyota Prius with dents. And the, the back fender, somebody hit me, so I have a paper clip holding my fender on, which is rusted. And so I fucking throw my clubs in, and I try to duck into it before any of these people see me. And I pull off as fast as I can. And then I realize, forgot my suitcase. So now I don't want to drive back. And so I park my car about 20 yards up, and there's a big bushy median between me and the area where my uh where everybody is and where my suitcase is so i run through the bushes in the dark and i fucking slam my knee into like a fire hydrant and i go down it hurts so much i went down to the ground and then i got up and i limped over i got my suitcase i ran back through the bushes got to my car and then, uh, and, and I threw the suitcase in the back of my car, peeled out as much as a Prius can peel out. I did. I drove like two blocks away, got out of the car so I could stretch my leg cause it was tightening up. And I look at it and my pants are ripped and I have blood pouring down my leg and it's swollen. <laughs> so I have some McDonald's napkins and I, I, I just stick it on the wound and then I drive home two hours, get home at like midnight. And I'm just thinking, I'm 57. I've been doing this shit for 30 years. And this is still a Saturday night in my life. When, when does it all calm down? I don't know. God. So I get out. So I, get, I, I go to sleep. I wake up Sunday morning, and now it all turns around. 
Sunday was just a magic day. We got up, we go, do, we do yoga at nine in the morning on the beach. And my yoga instructor is Morgan. She's incredible. And we're on the beach and it did just something about being outside in this Sunday. It starts out a little chilly and then the sun comes out and it gets nice and hot and you're on the grass right by the sand, by the beach. Um, and there's a lot going on around you. There are surfers. You can see the surfers. There's like five ten, There's five volleyball uh, nets set up and games are going on. There's dogs running around chasing balls. There's little kids taking their first steps and riding bikes for the first time on the grass with their parents. Um, kites flying and, um, and homeless people singing. There's another yoga class that's like 20 yards away from us that's Russian. There's like 30 of them. And the instructor is smoking hot. She wears tight-ass skimpy yoga pants and a bra, basically. And so you're kind of looking over there. You're kind of looking around. But the thing about yoga is, and this is why I need it, is you still your mind. You ignore external distractions. And the, the teacher's always saying, stay on your mat. Stay on your mat. So you try to keep your mind on your mat and you focus on your breathing and uh, and it all works. And at the end of the class, your body feels great. Your mind feels great. She does these nice little speeches with mantras and ideas that you can use all week about um, not letting your thoughts get, get control of you. And so... It was great. Then we come home. I jump in the hot tub. Uh, I watch a lot of football. Both my L.A. teams won. Won in overtime. Won in the last minute. Both great fucking games. Um, won my bets in my betting pool. Uh, threw a move on the wife. Nice. Uh, and then we went for a long walk around the neighborhood. Neighborhood, like uh, as the sun was starting to get low. And then we went to see, oh my God, I cannot tell you, run, do not walk to your theater and go see Stop Making Sense. It came out, I think it came out in like 84, and it's the Talking Heads. David Byrne is a fucking genius. End of story. This is like a, it's like a performance art meets concert meets musical it is the most mesmerizing, inspiring film Jonathan Demme directed. He's the guy that did Silence of the Lambs, huge director. And it is just so precise. It is so choreographed. It is so prepared. And, and it's a story. It tells a story through the Talking Head songs that you grew up with, that you love, that are some of the best songs of all time. And it starts off on a bare stage with just him alone with an acoustic guitar. And they start adding band members, adding scenery in the background. And by the end, you have to, must, get out of your seat and dance. And euphoric in the theater. And, I mean, these two backup singer-dancers, the bass player is this chick who's just bouncing up and down. All of them are bouncing up and down, dancing, running. It's fucking amazing. And I remember seeing it in the theater the first time, which was, again, like in 84. And the, the whole theater was on their feet. 
the whole time. Um, it's not does I don't know how wide the release is, but I know it opened small the first week, and every show is sold out. So now they're extending it. So see it before it goes away. Uh, amazing. So we went with it was uh, Gibbons and Gubbins and uh, Gibbons' brother-in-law and me and Aaron and another guy and uh, uh, man went out, went out afterwards to the yard, which is this. Uh, Sports bar next door. Watched the end of the Jets game. Jets almost pulled it out. Um, had some good food. Just a great Sunday. Great, great Sunday. Um, and the government shutdown ended. That was good news. Found that out on Sunday. Um, this week, uh, very exciting. I had uh, my guest today, Doug Stanhope, is on. And... He and I did a film together. Well, he did a film. I have a, I have a role in it, but it, he's the lead. And uh, it came out great. It's called The Road Dog, and it opens this week, October 6th. It will be available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, YouTube movies, on demand, everything. So you can find it. It's called The Road Dog. It was directed and produced by Greg Gliena. Gli- Gliena? I always forget how to say his name. He did a great job. He's the guy he he did meet the parents and um, and Byron Allen's company is the one that bought it and is distributing it. So it's great. I tell you, it's dark. Doug is going to come on this podcast because we recorded it a couple weeks ago and he badmouths everything, his own act, everything he's ever done. He shits on. So take that with a grain of salt when he criticizes parts of this movie. But I'm telling you, it's really good. It won awards. He won Best Actor in the Independent Something Awards. The movie won Best Film. Greg won won Best Director. It's it's really good. So anyway, go do that. Um, And then also go, I'm going to New England this weekend. If you live in Massachusetts or New Hampshire... God, I'd love to see in Shirley Mass at the Bull Run on October 5th. Manchester, New Hampshire at Chunky's Cinema House, October 6th. The next night in Nashua. Then Foxborough. So I'm going to the Pats game on Sunday in Foxborough and then doing a show that night at the complex at the Foxborough Stadium. They've got like this outdoor mall with a comedy club so called The Comedy Scene. So that's October 8th. Also coming to you this month in Sacramento, Arlington, Virginia, Baltimore, Houston, Bakersfield, Austin, San Francisco, Fort Worth, Atlanta. Go to fitzdog.com, get tickets. While you're there, don't forget the premium membership allows you to go back and listen to the 1,000 episodes I have banked in the last 14 years. Uh, it's very cheap. I think it's like less than 10 bucks for a year. Pick it up. And then also you can use that to email me at the site and get uh, two-for-one tickets for shows in your area. That it, that pays for the membership itself right there. And then some. Um, also, let's talk about, well, my son's birthday. Happy birthday to Owen which is today, the day this comes out. Um, He's 23, and I wanted to take him to a concert, but he just wants to go out to sushi. He doesn't want to see a concert. 
Meanwhile, if you want to see a concert, the way to do it is with Game Time. Right now, I'm just looking on the Game Time app. You can go see the 1975s at the Hollywood Bowl for $57 tonight. Pink, you ready for this? Pink is playing the SoFi Stadium. You can get tickets for 20 bucks Now, if you bought them previous, you probably spent a lot of money because Game Time waits until tickets go down, and then you cash in on that. So you keep an eye on it. Uh, pretenders are playing in the, uh, tonight. God, I wish I could go see that. So don't get frustrated. Don't freak out. Wait for the good deals to come to you through game time. Uh, it's local. You put in where you live, and it feeds you comedy shows, theater, sports, uh, music, everything. So um, it's your one-stop place with these last-minute deals. Um, the tickets all, all go right to your app really fast and easy. Uh, you scan it when you get there. You don't have to download anything. You don't have to print. You don't have to transfer. You can take a look at the venue from your seat on the app. It's pretty cool. They got a guarantee if you find tickets in the same row and section on the same night, they give you 110% of the difference. And um, it's great. So anyway, here's what you're going to do. You're going to take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code FITSDOG for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code FITZDOG for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, so here's the podcast. Oh, Jesus, I went for 26 minutes. That's too long. This, these intros are going too long. Doug Stanhope, how do you describe this guy? He is one of my favorite comics, one of those prolific comics I've ever seen. Um, known him for 20 years. I wrote on The Man Show when it was him and Joe Rogan. I wrote on The Man Show with those two lunatics, and it was one of the most chaotic uh, unpolitically correct, uh, drug-fueled, drunken, insane process of putting this show together. Um, he one, Some of the things we did on the show is he boxed Tonya Harding. She, Tanya Harding, she's the one that beat that girl in the shins, the other skater. Uh, he lost. He lost to her. He What else did we do? Um, oh, he used to do a thing where he... He uh, reviewed porn with his mother. Uh, he's done everything. He hosted like a Girls Gone Wild thing. He got banned in Ireland for saying the women were ugly. He ran for president. Um, and the reason he got this movie is he did a really great turn on Louis, Louis' show called Louis C.K. show called Louis, where he played a drunken comedian. And uh, that led to this movie, which I hope you guys go see. So enjoy my conversation right now with the great Doug Stanhope. Welcome that was to the terrifying. That was terrifying for me, Greg Fitzsimmons. I'm an old man. I don't I don't zoom on a phone. I didn't know what I was doing. It's amazing how men of a certain age, as we are, I think you're a year younger than I am. We need young blood. We need the marrow of 
Gen Zers to, to to let us understand how this all works. Yeah, but I don't have what you have because of my situation where I live. Those are called open micers. See, every open micer has another skill set that you can manipulate and, and siphon off of in order to give them advice about comedy or yes. listen to their new bit. Yeah. Oh, okay, come over here and uh, do TikTok editing for me, and yeah. I'll tell you that you have potential. I don't have I'll, open micers. How sad is it that one or two generations ago, that same relationship led to blowjobs, <laughs> and now it leads to an Instagram post. What happened? <laughs> yeah, that's a, well, there's having so many more comics than we had growing up. You, you have more avenues of, uh, okay, I can bleed you dry. I can bleed you dry. You can give me a ride to St. Louis. You have good tires. Right, right. Yeah. But again, I, I don't live in a town that has open mic. Uh, so so you're, not, you're not like Rogan where everybody followed you to Bisbee? Not no, the, only the worthless ones, only the ones with a, some kind of handicap that they could never do anything like as simple as like walk my dogs. Oh, but I have fibromyalgia. I'm like, come on. Does one of you have a skill? I would have the most inept, broken cult you could imagine ever. Like, I would be tending to the cult. Like, yeah. Like, hey, I'm the leader. Why am I fucking changing your underpants? Right. You're the cult that when the when the when the CIA comes in to, to bust you guys up, you just come out with the hands up like, "Thank God you got here. We've had nothing but peanut butter sandwiches for three years." In every bank robbery movie, there's the ubiquitous like stupid guy that's going to go haywire and ruin everything. Yeah, like you just whatever you do, just be in the car at four twelve. I would have like I would be the only apt guy. <laughs> Everyone on my crew would be the bumbling fucking idiot. <laughs> well, that's what's amazing about you is like you're a bumbling idiot. Like you <laughs> need somebody who's got their shit together. Yeah, and I, and I don't yeah, like my wife is. I basically uh, I home uh, homeschool her or <laughs> home care. I don't know what you call it, but yeah, she she she'll put a like if I leave her alone to eat, she'll put a frozen pizza in a microwave, <laughs> and you go ah, uh, and then you're gonna try to eat that wet sloppy pile of dough, <laughs> and then call that nutrition. <laughs> well, I'll, we got to send some people out to you. You had Morgan Murphy. Did you use her at all when she lived out there? Oh, no. Morgan Murphy, you know, Morgan, she's just, uh, you're just a sounding board, literally. Yeah. 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 Uh, she, she, uh, she, it's amazing how she can coke talk without cocaine being anywhere near her. It's amazing, isn't it? Yes. And, and she's got the coke look. She's got the hair and the thrift store clothes and the yeah. boots. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, the whole Coke look. She can segue any conversation back to her and a bigger name that you just <laughs> dropped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I her Instagram. Does she does she name drop on Instagram? Or is I don't know. I, I've just barely learned how to uh, put things on Instagram. Yeah, uh, but reels and. and uh, so, but I don't really know how to read anything there, and I, I, yeah. I don't care to uh, at first. I, you know what I've been doing? Uh, there's a Reddit. I, like, I've been trying to play with Reddit. Oh, it's God. 
Yeah, well, they're all, oh, God. But there's a Doug Stanhope Reddit that really nobody goes to. So if I feel like like saying something yeah. without strangers giving me shit, I'll just put it on Reddit. Reddit is the one place I'm afraid to go because every time I would do Stern or Rogan, you would get, you know, 80%, 85% would say really positive shit. But the 15% was vicious, like telling you to commit suicide and like, what's this guy doing in the bit? And that shouldn't bother me, but uh, I don't know. It, it, that, that shit gets to me a little bit. Yeah, uh, I, that gets to me and all, all the other nonsense where just people are fucking just pounding away at whatever political thing that doesn't really affect them. And yeah, like, there's just no funny on, on Twitter anymore. But like, right. I love Walsh, Brendan Walsh, because he's still he's like a jester and a fucking uh, uh, uh yeah, you know, a, a nuclear fallout of everything that's just evil and negative on Twitter, yeah. and he's still dancing there in his clown shoes. Yeah. It's fucking great. That's all. I got to follow him. That's great. Yeah, I kind of gave up on Twitter. But um, so what do you do if you're not on social media? Because it literally occupies, you know, 80% of people's free time. Are you reading books? I know you're not exercising. What do you do with the free time? Uh, you know, I was exercising. My last hotel had a gym that I could like, I could scope out and make sure no one's there before I went in. The gym at this hotel, you'd have to like, it's on the other side of the pool in its own building. And if you went in and there was another person in there, you'd either have to turn around and walk out because I don't want to be in a gym with anybody or so I don't go. <laughs> but I, 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 I have exercised. I, I do play occasionally. I play tennis. But nice. I'll do that more that it's getting cooler here in Arizona. Uh-huh. And yeah. who do you play tennis with? Uh, Michael Bean I played a couple times with. Michael Bean and I are pals now. He he moved to Bisbee. He's uh, the guy from The Terminator and Johnny Ringo oh, from Tombstone. Oh, yeah, right, right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> Look at you. Fun. Wait, I bet Morgan Murphy doesn't know him. Uh, well, she she knows someone that's better than him and uh, more well known that I don't have to explain who they are. Right, it's Orson Bean. She knows Orson Bean. <laughs> um, and uh, all right, so let's get to it. Yeah, where are you right now, by the way? I'm in Arizona. I'm still. I still have a hotel up here. My house is still not done since last November, so I still uh, insurance has a hotel up here for me. So I go back and forth between this house and Bingo's house and Bisbee and. Oh Jesus! Yeah, but I'm gonna wrap that up. This is the end. I'm done. Done with this fucking hotel shit. I'm just gonna go home. I have another property that a guy's moving out of, and I'll just move in there until my house is done. And what's the, what's your local hangout? Because I know you like to set up camp at a bar wherever you stay. Well, no, at home I have my own bar that's also fucked uh, that I hang out in. But we decided since the house was fucked, we go ahead and tear out the bar and put in a new bar. But then Chaley got busy and you can't find someone to work. And so, yeah, my bar is just really just sitting in my hotel room. What? Uh, so right now you don't go to a bar there's no hotel bar where you're staying. No, there's no hotel bar. It's just, oh, uh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it does. It's a pretty grim existence, but I do drink a lot less and, uh, uh, I uh, I get I get some crossword puzzles done. I do have a new book that I just got a, a, a pr advanced copy of. You know Cliff Nesterhoff, of course. 
comedy yeah. historian. He's got a yeah. new one out called Outrageous that I just started. And just the intro alone is like, that's the bit I was trying to do. It's like, like how it's it basically goes through the history of cancel culture where everyone talks about this, the everything, the current environment. Yeah. Like, like everything's like, well, we've lived through everything fucking, but this goes through specifically entertainment from uh, minstrel shows and blackface through vaudeville and all the words you could get fined or arrested for saying in vaudeville, like uh, punk or lousy. <laughs> really? Just, yeah, that's what I tweeted last night. I would love to see the Carlin seven dirty words that you can't say <laughs> on vaudeville. That's uh, Did you say Hellcat? Yeah, you right. get off of the stage right. as you're in blackface. You can't yeah. say Hellcat. <laughs> um, that's great. I love Cliff. He's uh, he he's written so many great books, and his the quintessential one he wrote about the history of comedy. Like any comedian that's starting out needs to read that book. Yeah, I think I think he's been down to the Funhouse. I don't know if I it was uh, to do an interview or to be on my podcast. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure it was, but it was a million years ago, back probably when that book came was coming out. Yeah, then he wrote one about uh, comedy, uh, Native American comedy, or Indigenous people comedy. I didn't read yeah. that one. I got to read that one. Yeah, it's uh, got a really funny title, and now I can't. There's something about um, you know, my landlord or someone. Uh -huh. So um, so the reason why I ask if you had a local hangout is like when we we did a movie called The Road Dog, which we'll talk about in a minute. And when you we were staying in the same hotel and you had set up at the Outback Steakhouse, which was part of the hotel, which is the worst steakhouse in America. But yes. you, you're sitting at the bar and I mean, every employee is talking to you like it was their 50th high school reunion. It was unbelievable, just holding court. But that, that was my only choice, literally. It was the yeah. middle of winter. It's out by O'Hare Airport. It's an airport hotel with an Outback Steakhouse as the hotel bar and restaurant. Yeah. So that was my food at the end of every shooting day and my bar, and that was it. There was nothing walking distance, and you weren't... It, if there was, it would have to be within a block for you to brave the cold to right. walk there. There's no sidewalks for fuck's sake. Right. So right. yeah, that's, yeah I, I, I made do with what I had. You made some friends. It was really funny. It was kind of exactly what I expected you would have down there. I, I went and went back uh, just to watch the movie. They ran it at a local uh, small theater. Oh the yeah, Pittsburgh right. Theater. Yeah. Right in that same neighborhood where we shot most of the stuff. Uh -huh. So uh, I went and I had no uh, no compunction to go back to the Outback Steakhouse no. to reminisce and go, hey, remember me? The movies, <laughs> ah, fuck you. <laughs> Hopefully nobody still works there. No, uh, you know, in the movie version of your life, you go back there and you invite the whole staff and they go to the screening and it's, it's, <laughs> it's act three. It's the ending that you would never want on your life story. Yeah, uh, you, those are the places where you, you, if you do go back there, there's even like comedy clubs where you go back, old comedy clubs where you, you go, ah, I hope the so-and-so doesn't still work here. I mean, I love to see her every year, but, you know, uh, she's got to be in her 40s or 50s now, and I hope she moved on from comedy club waitress. Yeah, right, but she hasn't. She hasn't. No. I think it's a really good gig. I think being a server at a comedy club, because think about it. 
At, at most restaurants, people come in, they sit at a table, they fucking park there for five hours, they order a couple drinks. Comedy club is like, get in at eight, you have to have two drinks, you're out of there at 9.20, another crowd comes in, they got to get two drinks. I think they make a shitload of money. They, uh, yeah, I, 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 I know my audiences uh, tip well. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, mean, I think... I, Bert Kreischer takes takes a percentage of beer sold at the arenas that he performs at. <laughs> You're going to say a percentage of the tips. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> I would love to like if I could keep a straight face. I'm the worst prankster because I always want to tell and I feel bad if yeah. it's. But just to like give someone a straight faced contract rider where I demand <laughs> cut of the waitress's tips. I count the popcorn. Yeah, <laughs> I inventory right. everything on the way in, way out. And 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 the uh, and the I have a metal to... detector on my green room door. You get patted down and wanded just to come into the green room You're to right. serve me. And the manager has to pass a hat at the end of your late show. <laughs> 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 Which is basically merch. Selling merch. I put, I put out. I put out comment cards about the staff that you turn into me. <laughs> That's hilarious. And then you you have half off coupons for the gig you're doing across town in a month. <laughs> Between shows. <laughs> uh, but, you know, selling merch is kind of like passing the hat because when I sell, I sell these stupid pins. And um, the best part is, I don't have to pack an extra suitcase with sweatshirts or t-shirts or any bullshit. It's just a baggie full of pins. Nice. And, but I swear to God, half the people that buy them go, yeah, I'll give you this. Like, like <laughs> you, you, I'm not going to keep this fucking pin. This is going in like, you know, the drawer in the kitchen with the batteries and the flashlight in it yep. it's gonna be tucked in the corner there. And the other shirt. pins. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the, the fucking Craig shoemaker bumper sticker. <laughs> God damn it! I just blanked. I go, oh, that's a fun reference for uh, who's that? The giant cartoon comic book guy that worked with us at the Man Show for a minute. Brian Posehn. Posehn. Yeah. yeah, I'll put it with the Brian Posehn pin. <laughs> See if I had the reference, but I'm yeah, punching. His would be the Brian Posehn action figure. There's a guy named J.T. Habersat that makes action figures as a thing. Like oh he yeah. Sent me yeah, and they they kind of they could be anybody, but if you put a cigarette and a drink in it, it's Doug yeah, Stanhope. Right, right, right. Uh, but he actually makes a good living doing that. That's a me. How much do they sell for? I don't know, but he sent me a bingo and a Doug Stanhope one. It's the packaging that really makes it. It's a little tiny action figure, but right. a package with your face on the you know and graphics and colorful, and uh, it's pretty cool. That's but if you, yeah, if you can figure out how to spell his name, Google it. Habersat. He's uh, he's uh, of uh, what is who? Who did I just work with that calls him JT and the Habersat? Uh, JT and the Pepitones. He's the one that carts Eddie Pepitone all around. Really? Yeah, and he puts puts out all the posters and uh, hey, me and Eddie Pepitone, and you know Eddie's going like, <laughs> hey, this guy's got fucking good tires and can drive me to St. Louis. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and he makes action figures. 
Yeah, uh, he's a worker. He does a punk altercation comedy festival out in Austin uh, for years. But he's one of those, you know, those guys that just is really ambitious, nose to the ground, grindstone, calls every number, dials every, you know, possible lead. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. For an Eddie Pepitone, he'll go, yeah, sure. I'll sit through 25 minutes of that, the earphones in. Yeah, I know. The trouble is all of uh, every guy that I have that's opening for me or helping me in any way is like the most like white bread, straight white guy. And it, I, I always think like, let me get a trans woman ahead of me because then number one, I can shit all over her. <laughs> number two, she's not going to step on any of my premises. Yeah. Number three, I'll be a little best, bit le- less likely to get canceled. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about the movie. When we did that movie, I'm like, we we are two like exactly the same kind of white guys, both from the fucking East Coast with fucking right. gap teeth right. and balding, and uh, yeah, the, you couldn't have cast uh, like less uh, diversity yeah. than Greg and, Simmons, but it's perfect. Right. Uh, well, I think it's making a statement, you know, and we won awards. That the, the uh, congratulations, you won the. Hollywood Real Independent Film Festival Best Actor Award for the movie. Yeah, that that, that was pretty fun until I saw it. Why? What does it look like? Was it no, an action the movie. figure? I, mean, uh, I hadn't you... seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, Who was I up against? I mean, I think it was uh, Brian Posehn in uh, Gremlins 17. <laughs> Um, and the and the film won best film. I mean, look, I don't know a lot about this festival. Did you go to the award ceremony? Uh, no, no, I was playing in Australia. So, oh. but they told us ahead of time who won. So uh-huh. I made an acceptance speech pre-recorded live during a show. Oh, that's pretty uh, cool. And ha- had it sent in. Uh, uh-huh. And then there was another one in the somewhere in DC area. I don't know that we were nominated for that. I flew out for because uh, Christine Hodge won uh, uh, Best Supporting Actress, so I went out there for that. And uh, but still didn't see the movie till I went to Chicago, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is kind of. Uh, and I didn't have the words for it. I was just just calling it low budget. Uh huh. And then uh, then uh, Brendan Walsh said, "Yeah, it would have been all right if it didn't have that Hallmark uh, Hallmark movie quality to it." And I go, "That's exactly <laughs> what I." was missing the words hallmark movie and then i think you said yeah i said that too and christine said yeah i said that too so yeah hallmark movie uh uh you've seen it yeah i uh i liked it a lot i mean i think it does that look it has not to blow it for people but it has a happy ending which is always going to go against type for any of us i don't see my life having a happy ending uh i hope not which which version did you see was it wasn't it kind of upbeat at the end? No, I die at the well. At oh, the you least. know what? I left before the end of the movie. <laughs> no, I was terrified when I read the script that I was going to have a happy ending. That's the only thing that. No, uh, I had yeah, a show. I just, wa- I had a I just show walk into night. the light at the end. Yeah, yeah. No, I uh, I had a show and I left I left ten minutes early, but it looked like it was headed towards a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. No, when I read the script initially. I'm like, yeah, if I, if I'm sober at the end of this movie, I'm saying no, this would be, they're still asking if I do it. So yeah, no, I go back to drinking. I, I, I try to do, I'm not going to give away the whole movie. That would suck. 
Uh, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, lower your expectations and hopefully people uh, watch it the same way they did like DC cab. <laughs> hey, you never know, man. I did a movie with Andy Dick many years ago called division three. And at the time we were like, Oh my God, I hope nobody sees this turn into like a cult classic. Everybody's I get recognized from it all the time. No and shit. I mean, you never know, like you might, you did the movie. So you're going to have a different feeling about watching it than somebody that doesn't know the backstory and doesn't know, you know, I mean, not that it wasn't a smooth production. I think you, you had a good time with everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, that was the whole point in doing it. I did yeah. not do it to become famous right. or I didn't even think this would ever be anywhere. You know, I've done so many things and I'm sure you have too in LA where you go, yeah, the, the, uh, I'll make you know, 30 grand to shoot this 30 minute pilot. And uh, I know it's not going to get picked up right. by a network. So it's free money and I can't, I don't embarrass myself because I know. So I still have that. Yeah. Back in my head going, I'm doing this for the story value. I'm doing this so I can say, technically I started in a movie. So I'm technically a movie star. Yeah. I'm, right. I could, yeah. <laughs> and then See? you go ahead and then you win an award. You do it as yeah, a Yeah, I'm an award-winning award. movie star. That's Fuck right. you. Where's the trophy? Can I, I don't see need it? to wait in line at this, Perkins. I'm an award-winning <laughs> movie star. You, could, you couldn't yeah. have held the table back? Yeah, you say to the hostess, do you not have basic cable in the 90s? Were you not watching? <laughs> um, so Greg Greg Gelina won Best Director also. Gliana, yeah. Gliana? Gliana. Gliana? And uh, Tony Boswell was a producer. And then Kristen Haji, is that a series? Hodge. 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 She was actually your ex-girlfriend, right? And then she was cast as your girlfriend in the movie? Yeah, she was my girlfriend I hadn't seen in 20 years. And when I got there, I got there a week early because I'm a professional and I want to be there to, uh, we're going to rehearse. I don't know what we're doing. And I go, who's uh, playing my, this long lost love of mine? And I go, I don't know if you have any suggestions. I'm like, you haven't booked them. They, they were, production was in such chaos. Some guy that they had, like, had was supposed to have done all the groundwork, like got COVID flaked out. They realized oh, they hadn't right. done most of the shit he said he did. Yeah. Like all of these locations they were supposed to have. Oh, now he's in a hospital bed and he lied. He didn't get anything. So I showed up into this, like it was just despair throughout the whole thing. Yeah. On the top end, I was uh, happy, but I was keeping morale up around the office. But uh, I said, uh, well, I, I, have a, I have an actress girlfriend that I did date 20 years ago. She's an actress and I bet she's free. I don't think she's been working. Uh, and yeah, so so they booked her. Your story, I'm sure, I think we covered last time. We But yeah, Michael Bean was supposed to play your part. He bailed out. Then uh, Bobcat was going to do it. He got COVID the day before, two days before, and you fucking flew in with moments' notice for fucking scale. If you even got paid, no, you and, got uh, me paid. You, you, you. Uh, they were like a day late paying me, and you were like, "I'll go on fucking social media. I'll ruin this movie." <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was, uh, I got called, I was up in Northern California visiting my daughter and then uh, I got the call from you and I left about an hour later and drove to LA, packed a bag, got on a flight and we were shooting the next day. Yeah. And you really were the highlight of the entire shoot, like just that day. 
everyone was in stitches. Everyone was just fucking falling down. You were such absolute needed relief. Uh, I, I wish there was, I, I hope there's outtakes in the movie when it gets to s- streaming. Yeah, I will say, I, first I hope of all, there's blooper reel. I appreciate that. That was, uh, uh, it was so easy to do it with you. I mean, it was just like, you know, I, I'd seen you on when you did that episode of Louie, which was a very similar character to the guy, to the character in this movie. And I was like, holy shit, because I've known you forever. I was like, Doug can fucking act. Like, you know, look, you're not playing a transsexual uh, fireman in Oklahoma. <laughs> you're playing Doug Stanhope. Yeah. Uh, but you play it well. You know how to act. So it was it was easy to work off of you. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I was expecting to hate my head more, but yeah. uh, to just like, to watch it with people around you. Uh, but I, I I wouldn't sit through it again. But I would sit through blooper reels all day long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you should have asked them about that because the you know because Tony and Greg were both comics, right? So I'm sure they have a blooper reel. They probably love that shit. I, I, I'm sure I brought it up, and I think they said they did, but I don't know if they have the uh, the 15 cents it would cost them to, right, like, or, or or the Instagram knowledge to just throw it out on social media. Maybe ne- they need the the bone marrow of the young too. That would literally be the best way to promote this movie is to put blooper reel, 30 second blooper reels on Instagram, like 20 of them, and derive people. If if you want to see the movie, by the way. It comes out October 6th, which is in three days from when this comes out. And it will, you can purchase it on Amazon. You can stream it for free on, I don't know who has any of these, Pluto, Plex, or Tubi. Have you ever watched anything on any of those three? No, I see all those buttons on when I go on, log on to Roku TV or whatever. Yeah. And there's a million buttons for streaming services I've never heard of. I don't yeah. know what they are. And I assume everybody else knows exactly what they are and are uh, fluid in all the shows that are on them. And I, I think, oh, I, I can't talk to anyone. I don't know what what all this is, but they don't either. They're just like me. Yeah. They're indifferent to those buttons. I think so. I think that this is like, you know, the dot-com boom that happened in the 90s where like, you know... Uh, uh, dogbrush.com got, got you know, in, investor money for $20 million and then folded the next week. And I think that's what a lot of these channels are. They're just trying to, they're just trying to be the ne- next Netflix. Well, I, I, I don't know if you know my track record of destroying not just shows, but net, uh, uh, networks and streaming <laughs> services. Like, I, I remember uh, like early Dennis Miller had a daytime talk show and, uh, uh, I did a, a guest set on that. It's just shortly after 9-11, and I, I did pretty well. And he said, oh, I, I, I like this guy. I want to have him back. Mon- that was a Friday. Monday, canceled. Uh, the man show, of course. We're going to change it up. Uh, canceled. My special uh, No Place Like Home. Hey, we have a new streaming service. They're going to pay you more than anyone else. Uh, CISO, it's called. Okay, oh, I'll go with CISO. the one that's going to give me 10 grand more. And yeah. no, that fucking entire, I was the last comedy they had on that entire platform uh, before it went under. Yeah. I did, uh, Roseanne, I did a guess, uh, just a small two lines on the last episode of Roseanne's show before no that shit, shit wow. can. I am the fucking oh. kiss of death. Good Damn. luck, Fubi. That's hilarious. We're going to put fucking Pluto and Plex down. 
I, I know there's way more examples that I, I just, I can't keep track of them all in the same Rolodex. Well, not to mention how many people's lives you've destroyed, probably, you know? Uh, yeah, the people I've, t I've, I've uh, not talked off the wagon, but the naturally <laughs> jump off their own wagon to follow the Pied Piper. Um, uh, women I've turned gay, women have th that have gotten married right after, like a one night stand with me and uh -huh. gone, all right, I don't need any more of that in my life. Uh, have you ever given somebody a venereal disease? Yeah, yeah, one that I know of. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that was the first time I knew. I thought I thought my dick was just raw from fucking so much, and I was I remember bragging. <laughs> like, I, I like I think it was uh, four different women in the same week back when I was a young long hair, in four different towns on a, a string of one nighters. And I'm like I'm a champion. And wow. I, and then what, I go, what disease oh, was it? After the second day, when it's getting worse, I go, oh, that's not just road rash yeah. from. Uh, yeah, hairy pussy. That's that's a big hurt blister, <laughs> and uh, yeah, she got it. She was not very happy with me, but uh, was it herpes? Yeah, you have you still have herpes? Well, I, I evidently, you just have it forever, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at you. I actually heard something like 60% of all people have herpes in America. Yeah, and that's uh, that's uh, when you cut out. When they, yeah, one in five is what uh, they say. But when you cut out the people that are uh, not fucking, like, all right, if if one out of five people, well, you're not talking about your grandparents or fucking children, and right. that, if you bring it down to the just the fucking community, that's probably one in two. Right, right, yeah, and uh, the thing is, because AIDS is not as prevalent as it was younger people are not wearing condoms anymore. So I heard that venereal diseases are up with young people. And then also because of Viagra, old people are fucking these, these old folks homes are like, it's like the gr Greek orgies every night over there. <laughs> it's really, it's really disgusting to think about. I, uh, I'm disgusted to think about myself fucking at 50. I was just going to say, yeah, I'm getting pretty close to like never wanting like, I never made a video of me having sex, and I wish I had because I'd like to see the young me doing it. <laughs> Have you ever made a video? No, never. Nice. I don't, even, I don't think I've ever taken a dick pic. I've had I've had pictures taken of me naked, but it's usually like I was up in the Chilkoot Charlie's in Alaska with my pants down with the Jaeger girls because yeah. they charge you five bucks for a Polaroid. <laughs> Here's a Polaroid. Here's your five dollars worth. Uh, so yeah, there's plenty of pictures of my dick out there. Like, yeah. But usually, in, you know, in a public setting, on stage, somewhere. Uh, but yeah, n nothing, nothing like oh, this would be hot. I have to think the worst place to get a dick pic done is Alaska. I mean, were you outside when you took it? Yeah, and I can't, it had to be, because I, I, I remember that specifically, it had to be summer, because there were Jaeger girls outside oh, in their okay. short shorts, and I was wearing a you know, baseball shirt. So yeah, it had to be, a, had to, it had to be summer. Right. But I, and, and I would fluff back then if I knew I was going to, you know, someone yeah. was going to snap a, a shot. But I, yeah. I think my, my dick has definitely gotten smaller over the years from lack of use. Yeah, yeah. I'm shocked sometimes, especially if I'm wearing some tight underwear and I take them off. I'm like, whoa, that's <laughs> that's just a crown on two balls. There's yeah. there's no shaft at all. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think when you were you know, always fucking 
using the tool, but I guess it's like any other muscle that atrophies. Yeah. I was actually thinking about uh, going gay at this point because at 57, like if you're 21 and you go gay, you are going to be jerking it, blowing it, fuck it. It's going to be just constant use. At 57, what? Give somebody a hand job every two or three weeks. I can handle that for the career boost that I would get out of it. <laughs> to anger my mother, totally worth it. Yeah, well, if I don't fuck anyway, so I uh, might as well. Uh, I I guess I am gay. But yeah. If, if, if it takes uh, the actual act of fucking on some level to qualify your sexuality, then I'm gay. I'm I'm all the letters in that alphabet. I'm. Yeah. I'm trans. I'm I'm whatever. Yeah, yeah. Add N for nothing at the end of all the letters. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm when, against it all. When's the last time you had sex? I have no idea. Don't ask a married man that. It's not fucking his wife. <laughs> Is she there? Is she no. in the hotel? Oh, she's back no. at home. Yeah. But so, yeah, quite, I, you know, quite a while. How is Bingo, by the way? How's her mental health? So her mental health is uh, fairly good. She's, uh, you know, because I've been I've been around a lot since yeah. the whole house thing. Right. So I'm down there a lot, and she gets a lot more shit done when she's alone, um, and with me there. And then you know she's a fucking slob, and I can't handle it. And I, I I'm not like like OCD like. Hey, who, who turned the planter? It's supposed to yeah. be facing, but I, I I can't stand piles of shit. And she's a hoarder, and I'm a hoarder too, a yeah. bit. But I, I know how to keep it hidden. It's right, like the, right, the right. public spaces are fucking neat and tidy. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, I'm trying to stay out of her hair as much as possible. But I'm uh, yeah again, I'm I'm moving to a a different location, but near the house. Uh, after Skank Fest, after I come out there. Oh yeah, Skank when are you coming Fest? out? By the way, because I got a call from the 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 Adam Carolla show saying we want you to come on with Doug on. I forget the day, and I called you, and you're like, I'm not going to be there then. I, yeah, I, I just had to. I, it's, I'm still dealing with. I think this jerk off uh, PR guy is going through all things comedy. I, I I probably shouldn't get into it for political reasons, so I, I'm going to. I think <laughs> I, I'm qualifying it with I don't know, but I've heard this guy is a jerk off from a thousand people. Uh, I Annie Letterman said, "Hey, I heard you're coming on the fourth, and I told him specifically I'm only available the fifth and the sixth. Yeah. So uh, when she said the fourth, I go, "Well, I'm flying in the night of the fourth. I could do that." But then I called her, I go, what's going on? Because I'm not, who are you dealing with? And she goes, oh, they canceled that. They said my show wasn't big enough for you to come on. And I'm like, holy fuck. Like how many bridges, Whoa. how many bridges get burned like this that you have no idea why yeah. some vague acquaintance friend of yours doesn't call you back is because some douchebag PR public relations guy is saying, well, no, he was not going to do a show like yours. You're not big enough. Wow. Like, and they think, I would think, oh, that must Fitzsimmons said that. Wow, like wow. If that was the other way, I would yeah. take it personally and yeah, think, yeah. wow, they think I'm some fuckhead. Wow, that's crazy. Well, so what shows are you going on when you come to LA? I have no idea. Uh, okay. 
Yeah, it's a week out, and well, I guess it's two weeks. Well, yeah, okay. Um, well, we got to get we, we got to get some young geeks on social media promoting this because that's that's the only way it's going to get seen. I mean, there's so many things on Amazon, but people people should see it. And you know, you're going to be self deprecating, but I will speak for the movie and say I think it's a really good. It's not a bullshit movie. It's like a real indie film. It's got the spirit of like. You know, there's no tricks. There's no cliches. Uh, I think it's, uh, I mean, I, I know you think it's a Hallmark movie, but I think it stands up. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, it, I don't like the look of it. I, I wish I had cinematographers speak where uh -huh. I could tell you exactly what, you know, if I, if I don't like a fucking symphony, I can't tell you, well, it's the, uh, the, the that section and the right. strings are not, yeah. I don't know how to say it, right. but I, it's, it's, I, I'm not fucking ashamed of it by any means. It's yeah. not, I'm always going to shit on my act. I walk off stage. I don't know if you're the comic that when you walk off stage and someone says, that was a great show. You go, yeah, but I forgot this beat. I forget uh, the segue that connects that. So that didn't even make sense. And it fucking yeah. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's the Friday night late show, then I just I just put my head down and survive. That's never one that I feel like, oh, I I, I the the intricacies were lost on that one. I just yeah. wanna get no, through it. Friday late show is the one you blame them. Yeah, exactly. I was on fire up there and you kept fucking saying <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You guys fucking suck. Yeah. Um, but now you're doing daytime shows, which is very smart. You're not gonna get those kinds of audience members. Uh, yeah, I've been doing daytime shows. I, I've scrapped road work till I, I need to be back in my house for my own mental health. I need to be remove my shit back in. I, all everything I own, if it's not you know, on the road or uh, in the trunk, is in storage somewhere since last November. Uh, so I literally Jesus. have to move everything. The junk drawer, my uh, Fitzsimmons pin in my junk drawer is in storage. <laughs> I have to move everything back in. So I'm not wow. looking at any road work, but I love doing nooners. I, I really yeah. want to focus on that when I get back on the road. And in the meantime, Skankfest, I'm doing at I'm not. I'm not scheduled to do shows. I just filmed a special in May. I have not gotten around to doing the editing points. I think I have how we're going to edit it. Uh, oh, this so is the one you did at Rogan's Club, the mothership. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I went through it, and I just just didn't have the mental capacity to try to edit the two shows together. Or, and I think I'm just going to uh, put it out as one long thing in parts. Like, okay, fade to black. That's the end of a bit. And then title the next track. Because that's what you're going to do with it anyway, is fucking cut it up into, you know, a malleable pieces short enough for the internet, for IG or whatever. So I, I'm going to do that. But it, I, I at least have that material. If I have to do a show at Skankfest, I haven't released it yet. So I can, I can still oh, film it from well, the album it's, it's, and the other thing is uh i'm doing the bucharest comedy fest no way, <laughs> no way. in romania in november That's amazing this guy's been bothering me since like march to do it and he i quoted him some ridiculously <laughs> high price and he comes back come on man we're a young festival and yeah. i'm an american over here and these people worship you and you don't even have to do it i go i don't have a 
I don't have an act. I just yeah, did it. Yeah. He, he said, you don't have to have an act. Just I'll fly you over. He's going to fly me first class and pay me a stipend to just do like meet and greets and some podcasts. That's and, great. Uh, so, yes, come see me at the if I have uh, some material by then, I'll, I'll, I'll be crashing a stage. Don't you worry. Uh, if I don't have material when I get there, I'm sure I will on the way back. Yeah. So yes, that's November 13th through 18th if you're in Bucharest, Romania. Oh, that's okay. weird. I have a pocket of people that listen to my podcast from there. They they reach out all the time. I have to it's actually written down. This is a note for me as soon as we're done. I have to put out a, a Instagram saying, "Hey, I'm coming to the Bucharest Comedy Festival because some of the investors don't believe the guy that I'm actually coming. <laughs> they think they're just, just so they need like I love it's like that a, a Branson and... situation. They need to see a picture of me alive yeah. holding a sign. Right. <laughs> just... <laughs> <laughs> we're paying them to do nothing. Yep. <laughs> I love that there has to be investors to have you do one show in Eastern Europe. <laughs> That's a good sign. Investors. No, but I love the idea of cutting up the special like that because it almost makes me think about like a good album, you know, where there's tracks and each track has a song title. And that's kind of how your act is. You have distinct sections to it and yeah. fading to black and introducing a new section sounds great. It sounds like a, like almost like a bunch of short films. Yeah, yeah, it's what I want it to look like. And it's uh, Doug Stanhope funny in parts. Yeah, that's great. Now you just have uh, to sit down. I think that's going to make it really speed up the process for the guy I got editing it. Because before, I'm just like, I was, the problem is there was no, I don't know, what do you call them, establishing shots or what? Yeah. B roll, whatever. Uh -huh. There's no. The, the the room is set up to film, but I never thought, oh, we don't have audience shots. So if we want to cut away for an edit, there's nothing to cut to except another camera angle of you. So right. that's an easy way to just fucking fade to black and uh, put a graphic up to title the next, the dog dies in the end and then go right into it. Also, who wants to see the audience? I don't need, I don't need to see. It's always the interracial couple. You know, that's always your B-roll. Let's get, you know, let's get the fucking black guy with the Eurasian woman and they're they're laughing really hard, but then the guy behind him's on his cell phone. I don't need to see that. Yeah, and they and the they freeze up because they don't want to be on camera. Right. Like I, the evening at the improv or any TV show you did, when the camera's coming through the audience, they're all like either faking a laugh or right. I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh and there's an and audience yeah, warm-up guy. There's an audience I, when, I had one, when I had them that were directed, I would not put the audience in them, but they would still like cut to a close up of my cigarette or a close up of my drink, right. something to cut away to. We don't have that. So, okay. yeah, uh, necessity, mother of invention. I like the idea we have, and I wouldn't have thought of it if I hadn't. If you had not shot that. Um, so did you re I read in the news today that uh, your friend Marilyn Manson is uh, being charged with um, assault because he spit on a reporter. Did you read about this? No, no. I thought you were, I thought you were doing some bogus like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Jay Leno segue. So I read on the news, uh, heard in the news you like to water ski. You go. <laughs> Byron, yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, Byron Allen is the guy that put out our movie. 
I heard that. Comics Unleashed guy. The he's, king of segues. The guy's like a billionaire from that dog shit. Yeah. He's or gonna make million. another he's gonna make another billion off of uh off of this movie, I think. Well um, I, I th heard he's buying NBC, but no, I haven't heard about Marilyn Manson. Yeah, uh, he basically was on stage and I think there was a reporter or, or a photographer that was close to the stage and he uh spit he spit on her hands, they ended on her hands. And then he went up later and he held one nostril and blew it on her. And then she left. And now now she's pressing charges. It's like, what do you think happens in the front row of a Marilyn Manson concert? You <laughs> well, were honored. Was this recently or is this something? It's it just in the news today. So I don't know when it happened. I don't know when the event was. Yeah, there's, there's so many of these where they go, you know what? In the current climate, if that happened today... I, yeah. I could make bank off of it. Right. But it happened six years ago. Hey, uh, my attorney, do you think we could still make yeah. bank off of this and just right. say I was too traumatized to bring it up? Yeah, I never I never dry clean the shirt. I still have the schnuggie on, on my sleeve. Yeah, I, I've never not dropped this story into a, a, a conversation at a yeah, bar. Right. I just wait for anything. If you sniffle, I'm going to go, oh, I hope you don't have a cold like Marilyn Manson had when he <laughs> snotted on me at the front row at the fucking... Yeah, right. That is her badge of honor. That's her conversation starter. She got laid more from that story. She should owe him money. Exactly, yeah. You, uh, oh, someone just told me a fucking great... Something like this, someone who's a, kind of a douche in your local scene in L.A. comedy that had a situation with a, a, a musician, like someone from a band of a famous musician, and they, there's a, some kind of, uh, hey, let me, uh, hey, look at my dick, some minor oh, thing where okay. they settled, but there's a non-disclosure. And the person telling me this said this fucking annoying comic just brings it up all the fucking time. And the only way you could get him to stop is saying, hey, listen, I'm going to tell people that you're breaking your non-disclosure by repeating the story. If you tell right. me this story one more fucking time, I'm right. so tired of hearing them. Yeah. Uh, so the comic saw the musician uh, flash their dick or vice versa? It, it's, I'm, I'm making it obscure, A, because I don't remember okay. the details, and right. B, I don't want it uh, to, like... I don't want to out someone where I go, oh, there's no way they're going to hear this. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I listen yeah. to Fitzdog every week. Yeah. Um, all right. So let me get to a segment before I let you go. Um, there's a thing called fast dogs with fastballs with fits. I, I, I fucked up the name cause I just thought of it. Um, I'm going to ask you the same questions. I ask every comedian that comes on my show. Um, Who's the worst opener you ever had on the road? Uh, worst. Uh, I won't go with worst. I'll go with the first thing that comes into my head. Hardest to follow. Okay. Uh, there was uh, one. There was one night with uh, Joey Diaz at that, and you'd know the club. It was like the Highway ninety one or something in Massachusetts. Oh, the bill. Uh, yeah, the. Uh, um, it, yeah, I know exactly the room. Um, 93 anyway, or something. Anyway, yeah, Grill that 93 was, in Andover. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that was a late night show and uh, yeah, just a rowdy audience and there's no way I could follow him. But over the uh, course of a week was Chris Porter at the Miami Improv. 
every show like it was like a Wednesday through Sunday every show there he was killing and he knew all the like all the hip hop references yeah and like, yeah like 80% 85% urban either Cuban Hispanic black audience and like I would be 10 minutes into my set and people are getting up leaving as someone threw an empty <laughs> cigarette pack at me without making eye contact on the way up uh, that bad where I assumed all right I'm getting fired after the first show yeah. And the second day, I'm like, I'm definitely, or they're going to try to switch us up or something. And they yeah. didn't. I'm like, no, no, that's fine. I'm like, this is, it was absolutely awful. But it's where I wrote one of my best bits, which if you know the, my nationalism bit, this was at the time where uh, Freedom Fries was going on. And, oh, right. And, and his, he had his big nationalist closer about, fuck the French, if we hadn't saved their ass in two world wars. And that's where I wrote the bit about who's we? Like, what? The yeah. French didn't call us. That's like our, but it's, yeah, it, it eventually became one of my, uh, my best, most well known bits years and years later. Well, uh, was, was that Miami Improv, did you say? Miami Improv. Yeah, that was a famously difficult room. I don't even know if it's still around, but like, very urban, very hostile. Everybody always said that about that room. Yeah, um, I've never, I've never even thought about going to that city again in t- yeah. two decades. I. What about that state? I try to avoid the state. It's just uh, there's no really great gigs in Florida. Oh, oh no, that's not true. Tampa in the Tampa um, side splitters is a great room. Well, now that that guy's gone, the wig there. Uh, uh, I had a huge beef with that old guy, but he, someone else bought the club out. Oh, he's a great dude. Yeah, he's awesome. I did the Tampa Improv is just and they're great to me, but the room itself, it's like three tiers and almost yeah. straight up. Yeah. The, the green room's on the third floor, so you have to take an elevator to the yeah. second and then up the stairs, and there's no bathroom in the green room. You have to go through the crowd to get to the bathroom. Yeah. I remember yeah. that club. Uh, I, there was two women in the front row, and it was a mother daughter. And I was talking to them, and uh, the daughter was a big pothead. You could tell she had on like a Grateful Dead shirt and cornrows, <laughs> and she was like real Florida trash. And then her mother seemed very like prim and proper. And they were sitting in the front row together. So I'm talking to them because I'm a hack, and it's a late show Friday. And uh, and I say to the mother, "Have you ever smoked pot?" And she goes, uh, no, no, I, I would never smoke pot. I go, come on, what about this? After the show, we'll go to the green room, me, you, your daughter, the feature act, and we'll smoke a joint. And she goes back and forth, and then she finally agrees. So after the show, we go up to the green room, and we smoke a fatty. And the daughter is just kind of goes comatose, and the mother starts laughing her ass off and putting her hand on the middle axe thigh and the daughter was trying to get her out of there, but she didn't want to leave. She completely fucking Jekyll and Hyde it in the green room. It was amazing. <laughs> Wait, was how how many years ago was this? Oh, 12. Like I, you would never do that now. What? Get high with people in the crowd? Yeah, like two two women alone in a green yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Right, right. With right. drugs involved? Yeah, yeah. Bad move. And also, not making this up. A midget fight broke out at the uh, at the same club. I still have people come up to me to this day, like I was there that night. Tampa Improv, two midgets, and they got thrown out the side door. It was like 
Jackass was doing a sketch during my show. <laughs> and of course, people film you all the fucking time. Just random open mic night. Someone's filming you and you're like, just can you not film? I don't want this as new material. Yeah. Can you the camera away. But no, the one time you needed everyone yeah. to film, no one's got midget footage. <laughs> right. Fighting midgets. You could have like, we could have all been world star, but no. Yeah. You had uh, all right, here's the next one. There's two types of people in the world. Go. Oh, um, uh, man. Why don't you send me these questions ahead of time so I can have my team of writers? Uh, yeah, I guess the people that get it and the people that don't. Uh-huh. Um, and that, I think, uh, if, to make it even more, people who have done hallucinogens and people who haven't, oh, that kind of get it. Right. Yeah, I think right. if you haven't done hallucinogens, you're missing so much empathy and, uh, and even horror for the human condition. Right. That, 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 uh, yeah, I can't really, I can't really communicate with you. Well, it's like. You know, when you do hallucinogens, they say that it shrinks your ego, which is exactly that. So then you're seeing other people on a on a more even level than you were before you took them. Yeah, you can see just even if you can see a little bit of of yourself in in the most horrible people out there, it gives you some kind of compassion where you go, okay, I I can see why, you know, you shot up a school and you go, I, I kind of get it. Like I wouldn't do it and I wouldn't promote it, but I kind of understand where you could be pushed to that place. And uh, you know, if, if you've ever considered being a, like that guy, the, the murderer that just escaped from prison. I don't think there's anyone who's ever escaped from prison that I'm not rooting for. Exactly. No what they did. Yeah. If they're on the lam, I'm rooting for the guy on the lam. Right. Yeah. They, they, there was that guy in upstate New York who was, they made a movie called like Escape from, it was like Inishiran or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't, I, uh, it's some unpronounceable name if you're yeah. not reading it off the. And I remember it went from being, the story I couldn't stop following because it went on for weeks and they kept finding like people's hunting cabins had yeah. been slept in and then they would find a fucking school bus that had been slept in and they just couldn't find this guy. And then finally they get him and uh, they made a documentary about it. They made a movie about it. I, I yeah, it was a HBO that. series. Yeah. Escape yeah. from Dan of fourth, fourth, uh, Empanema. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Uh, what is, uh, have you ever borrowed or lent a lot of money? Uh, I probably not counting banks and mortgages, of course, Yeah. but from, a, uh, from another human being, I'm sure I I've loaned more than I've, I've, I've borrowed. Yeah. You seem like a loner. And that, that, that includes even parents. Like, I don't think I've. The last time I had to borrow money from my dad is probably 500 bucks when that was a huge amount of money. Um, did, did you loan your mom money when she was dying? No, well, I was paying for it basically. I mean, she was on, you know, she couldn't really go anywhere because she yeah. had emphysema. She could, but she still managed to hoard from the Dollar General just enough or have me pick it up for her. Uh -huh. uh, 
but yeah, not not really. Uh, I, I remember I loaned one friend who uh, I think I'd just gotten some TV show or something, and I gave him. He was always hitting me up. He always had warrants for unpaid tickets and stuff. Yeah, and uh, I remember what I, I was flush because I just got a big check, and I I gave him two two thousand dollars, and I go, but you know, if if you don't like attempt to pay me back, I'm never gonna loan you any more money. Yeah, and that was it. Like it was kind of like buying my way out of. And he would. I, hey, listen, I'm doing it. I'm going to jail for real this time. And I go, I don't care. You never even tried to give me like twenty bucks towards right. what, you know. And if you had, but I told you that. So right, and right. And he spent twenty two days in jail. And I go, no wow. Shit. He, yeah, just to, because he couldn't pay his stupid tickets. I'm like, what? Drive slower, you fucking asshole. Yeah, Why do you yeah. always have tickets if you always have warrants, you dumb fuck? Right, like, right. And he would always lie about his experiences anyway. So you know, now you should write an uh, autobiography about your 22 days in county jail <laughs> and call it Life or the Story of Ron Putnam. <laughs> That's great. Recounting each hand of a poker game he had in the yard with three guys that were in there for littering. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. The last one I'll ask you is, have you ever not finished a set on stage? Uh, not without some uh, at least tacit uh, agreement from the booker, promoter, manager, whatever. Like I've been given the hook before, but I waited till the manager was. It was one time doing uh, shows for the military. Uh -huh. uh, it, it was '94, and it was we did Korea and Japan. And when we get to Korea, the whatever the base we were playing, the they had a, a black club and a white club. No. Basically. Yeah. One was like the black club and one was like the country music slash okay. rock and roll club. Yeah. But it was black and white. And uh, the middle act was a deaf comedy jam act, not a big name, but he had been on it. And uh, he, the microphone was just a little chintzy dictaphone. So, but they're like just eating them up for being there. And then I get up there. And before I get to the mic, there's a boo, get off, oh, boo, shit. get off. Whoa. And then I start going, like, fuck you. <laughs> and they're like getting violent with me. <laughs> and, uh, wow. I, like, I couldn't, like, there's no shouting over them. So, yeah. I'm just gonna stay up here till my I've fulfilled my contractual obligation, and you can all suck my dick. And and then when the <laughs> the booker like it's, it's like getting violent, and he's like get off. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I've had a few of those. <laughs> yeah. What didn't you get after 9/11? You made some jokes, and then did didn't people harass you at shows after that? I remember the first uh, the first week after that I did uh, was go bananas in Cincy. Uh, I was a week after was my first bookings and like for the, the I remember the Friday or sa uh, Saturday night after the early show, uh, a lady was a, a lot of people were upset with my uh, point of view, uh, points of view. And she was out yelling at the line for the second show. Don't go in there. He's un-American. He makes fun of the people who died in 9-11. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun. Wow. Uh, nice. Yeah. 
Um, which yeah, I taped, uh, I taped a special 30 days after uh, of CD, Die Laughing. I taped the 30 days after with it's all the beginning is all shitting on fucking nationalism and fucking national day of prayer and all that yeah. goofy nonsense. It is amazing. People don't remember what it was like for comedians back then. Like they talk about today of like, oh, it must be really hard with the woke thing to do stand up. It's like, not in the least. If anything, it makes people want to hear that shit more when they go to a club. I never run up against that shit. Yeah, I no, mean, it's it's comics wanting to pretend we're more important than we really are. Right. Hey, they're, they're paying attention to stand up now. And I can be either a, you know, a, a victim or a, then that's why this whole Cliff Nestroff book, Outrageous, is because it, it shows you in detail why it's so much easier today than it's ever been to do comedy. Oh, it's really? Pretty, yeah, that's, yeah, it's fucking brilliant. It's a comic must read. It's an audience must read. And I'm yeah. only in the second chapter. Just if you just read the introduction, you'll shut the fuck up. All right, I'm, I'm going to email Cliff right now and get him back on the show. Um, all right, so Doug Stanup, go see him at Skankfest. Go see him in uh, uh, fucking Romania. And <laughs> <laughs> that's that's it. That's all we get on the book. That's it. But more importantly, on October sixth, go to Amazon. Pay. Well, I don't know what you pay on Amazon. Five bucks, six bucks. You'd pay. You'd pay seventeen a ticket to go to the theater, and now you can watch it in your house. Best part is, if Doug, like Doug said, if you don't like it. You can switch channels and watch Mad Men 20 minutes in. <laughs> um, all right, Doug, thanks so much for coming on and hanging out. I always love to see your beautiful face. Yours too. I'll talk to you soon. Good all luck right, with thanks. the move back in. All right. Thanks, Smith.